Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance. We will talk more about Pearson Rabbits later in this episode. Today is round number 22, I believe, of the game. Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABEM Oral Boards format. He has 15 minutes to complete the case and has no idea what the case is ahead of time. These cases were created by me. They're not derived from actual ABEM cases that I had. They're not real patients. Mike, when you're ready, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you, outline the human body on the left side of it, and let me know when you're ready. I'm ready, my friend. I have a bad feeling about today's case. I hope you're, yeah. I, even <laughs> I'm a little, I feel a little tense right now. Um, Dr. Estefan, this is going to be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case before we begin. Do you have any questions? No questions. Let's, let's do it. All right. Your time starts now. Dr. Estefan, you and your attending are working at Clerkship General Hospital when the charge nurse comes and grabs you and says, Doc, we need you out in triage. Okay. I walk out in triage. What do I see? Um, you see a young female, uh, approximately in her late 20s, early 30s, and CPR is in progress. Oh, lovely. Um, all right. Let's uh, continue chest compressions. Let's get her to the room or the bay. Let's get a backboard under her. Is she on a stretcher or anything? Um, they're moving her to a stretcher right now. They got a backboard under her. They're moving her back. Okay. Compressions in progress. All right. Let's uh, let's get access to large bore IVs. Let's get the patient on the done. monitor. Let's get end title going. Done, done, and done. All right. Patient's on the monitor. Yep. All right. Um, let's do uh, two minutes of compressions. Or actually, no. Let's just check check a pulse, check a rhythm. What do I see on the monitor? No pulse, neurocomplex, uh, PEA. PEA. All right. Um, let's resume compressions. Let's give one milligram of epinephrine. Given. All right. Um, let's see. What do we know about this patient? Do we have any any information? Um, yeah. Uh, husband kind of followed back to the resuscitation bed. He's freaking out. Okay. Uh, hi, my name is Dr. Estefan. Um, I understand your wife is, is uh, in grave danger right now and she is very sick um but what can you tell me that can help me take care of her what has been going on the past couple of days yeah doc i don't know we we were here to get her covid tested she was short of breath for a couple of days uh she was coughing she had some blood tinged sputum and uh we thought she had covid a bunch of people had covid so then she just collapsed okay any other symptoms leading up to this any like leg swelling uh, not that I noticed. I didn't really ask her. Any chest pain? Uh, she just said she couldn't breathe. Okay. And um, when did all this start? How long ago? Two days. It's been going on for two days. Okay. Um, what medical problems does she have? She's healthy. Okay. Is she allergic to any medications? Nope. Does she take any medications? Nope. All right. Just a vitamin. All right. We'll keep you up to date. I'm going to go back to taking care of her. All right. Thanks, doctor. Yep. All right. Um, let's let's draw a rainbow. Um, send off literally everything, including a serum beta HCG. Um, I want like CBC, BMP, CMP, blood cultures, lactates, VBG, troponin, pro BNP, um, TSH, T4, beta HCG. Literally everything. Send it. <laughs> everything sent. All right. It's heavy. It's um, going to take a couple minutes to get to the lab. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So 
Um, where are we with our ACLS? Uh, we've given Epi. Is it time for another pulse check? Are we two minutes of CPR post Epi? Uh, yeah, it's time for a pulse check. All right, pulse check. What do I see on the monitor? Pulseless PEA. All right, uh, resume compressions. Let's prepare to intubate. Um, All right, chest compressions are resumed. Great. Uh, I'm just going to intubate her. Uh, no meds at this time. First pass success. Confirmed with end title. Great. Um, okay, let's uh, let's get a liter of fluid going through each IV. Um, can I use my pocus? Can I pocus? Yes. All right. Um, I throw the probe on her chest. Do I see a pericardial effusion? No. How do her ventricles look? Do I see RV dilation? Uh, yes. How does her IVC look? Is it plethoric? Yes. Okay. Um, does she have lung sliding bilaterally? Yes. Okay. Does she have B lines bilaterally? No. Okay. All right. So, um, and Jesus, um, I never got a set of vitals to start. Can we get a set of vitals? <laughs> um, sure. Her temperature is 98. She has no palpable pulse. Uh, respiratory rates, respiratory, it's assisted. She's intubated. Um, no blood pressure, uh, O2 saturation in the seventies. Seventies. Uh, is she on a hundred percent? Uh, now 90 after intubation. Okay. Um, and do we have a glucose? 100. 100. All right. So based on POCUS, um, it really seems like she probably threw a massive PE. Um, I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything else. So massive PE is the very top of my differential. What else could this be? H's and T's. I mean, I don't know if uh, we fixed her hypoxia. We intubated her and we have good end title. Um, we don't have a gas yet. I don't know her pH. Um, she's probably acidotic. Um, let's, let's give an amp of bicarb and an amp of calcium. Um, calcium and bicarb have been given. Okay, cool. Um, and let's uh, call pharmacy and start TPA, like mixing TPA. All right. TPA has been mixed. It's at bedside. Okay. Um, ugh, can I talk to pharmacy for dosing? I think it's half dose TPA during uh, code for PE. Yep, I think so. They agree. Um, okay. Um, let's do one one more round of ACLS before we push this. Um, so two more minutes of compressions, another epi rhythm check. Uh, pulseless PEA. All right. All right. Resume compressions. Let's give the TPA. Given. Okay. Um, let's keep running through our H's and T's. Um, can I talk to the husband again really quick? Yes. She's not taking any medications at home. There's no way she could have tried to hurt herself or ingested anything. Um, no, she has, she's been in a normal mood. She just takes a vitamin. What vitamin? Prenatal. Prenatal. She's pregnant. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Thank you. That helps a lot. All right. How long have we been performing ACLS? Uh, four minutes. Okay. And let me examine her real quick. Does she have a gravid uterus? Yes. Oh, God. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, any signs of trauma anywhere? No. Bilateral breath sounds? Yep. Lower extremity swelling? Uh, right lower extremity. Right lower extremity. Okay. Oh, God. All right. So I still think PE is up there, but um, we need to do a, uh, a perimortem C-section. Um, let's get the thoracotomy tray out. Okay, tray's open. All right, uh, incision, xiphoid to pubic symphysis, the scalpel. Let's expose the uterus. Let's make a small incision at the inferior aspect of the exposed uterus, and then use scissors to cut the rest of the uterus open. Let's pull baby out, clamp the cords tw twice, cut in the middle 
and then let's deliver the placenta and then let's pack the abdomen and staple it shut while performing ACLS. All right. It's done. Your attending says, I got mom. You take the kid. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Uh... <laughs> God. Oh no. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, what's the baby doing after we deliver? How's the baby look? Um, what are you looking for? Um, tone, color, um, limp, cyanosis around the lips. Crying or no? No. Um, so acrocyanosis gets a point there. Limp point. No crying. Um, can we get a heart rate? 62. Oh God. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's start. Let's, Stimulate the baby, dry the baby, um, let's suction the baby. Um, do we have a pulse ox? Um, yes. What is it? 55%. Where would you like the pulse ox placed? Uh, let's do one ugh, God. Uh, upper extremity and <laughs> lower extremity. Right upper, right lower. They're both 55. Okay, good. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, so we're stimming the baby. We're suctioning. Baby's not getting better. Um, let us uh, positive pressure ventilate with 100% FiO2. 100% FiO2. Okay. At what rate? With a, uh, uh, 60. Okay. Done. All right. Let's revital. Um, she. The let's see here. So you're on you're on 100% FiO2 uh, at 60 breaths a minute. Uh, the preductal O2 saturation 60%, and um, heart rate is uh. 55. 55. Let's start chest compressions. Describe. Uh, two hands over the torso. You can use two thumbs. Okay. Um, and we can go at a rate of 120, I guess. Okay. Um, while while delivering positive pressure. And let's uh, let's prepare to intubate this kid. All right. One, two, and three. And breathe. What would you like for your uh, intubation? Describe the procedure. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I need to need to slow down here. All right. Do we have a Braslow tape at bedside? Yes. All right. Do we have a weight on the infant? Uh, three kilograms. Three kilograms. Oh my gosh. So this is a tiny kid. Um. Oh my gosh. Um. Well, I'm assuming they're preterm. Um. How high was the fundus before we delivered the baby? Uh, about ten centimeters above the umbilicus. Okay, so about thirty weeks gestation. Okay, so we can probably go with, oh my gosh, this is escaping me. Um, let's go with a 3.0 cuff tube. Let's use a Miller Zero. Actually, a Miller Double Zero, it would be, right? No, a Miller Zero, Miller Zero, 3.0 cuff tube. The Braslow says 3.5 uncuffed, middle, Miller One. All right, fine, we'll do that. Okay. All right, uh, first pass, do I see cores? Um, yes. All right, let's pass the tube. Um, I guess you can, you can insert it, uh, nine centimeters. Okay, done. All right, um, let's, uh, hook the kid up to the bag and start, um, giving breaths. Um, we're still doing compressions. Can we get a repeat set of vitals? Heart rate is 52. We're about five minutes into the resuscitation. O2 saturation is now 85%. So we fixed oxygen. <laughs> Oh my gosh, um, what am I doing? We're doing compressions because their heart rate is less than 60. Um, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with this baby. I'm, sorry, what was our preductal and postductal set? Uh, they're both uh, 85. Both 85, okay. 
five minutes in. Can we get a sugar on this kid? Um, yeah, he'll stick of 60. Um, let's give a 10 cc per kick bolus, I guess. Of? Uh, you could do D5, half an S. All right. So like 30 cc. Okay, given. I guess uh, before we before we do that, we should probably get like a line in this kid. Okay. The nurse brings you the umbilical line tray. Oh, God. I uh, Does the kid not have any like juicy scalp veins i can just throw a 24 or 26 in nothing oh all right um umbilical vein catheter so let's uh let's cut the the stump of the umbilical cord so it's fresh and clean then let's clean it off and let's insert the catheter into the umbilical vein which is the single dilated uh structure we saw and I think we can advance it. I think it's three centimeters. Just about a centimeter past where we get flash. All right. It's advanced. All right. Uh, secure it. Yep. Just tape the crap out of it. Yep. yep. Secured. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. So we can give the fluids through there. Let's um, draw a rainbow through there as well and send that off. Um, how are we doing chest compression wise? And uh, Still doing chest compressions. Heart rate is 58. Oh, my God. Um, do we have NICU in-house? Um, they're coming. Great. Um, dang. I really don't know. I'm, this is where I'm <laughs> stuck. I mean, do we want to give Epi? We could do Epi, I guess. I honestly don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, do you want to give Epi or no? No Epi. No Epi. Any um, other medications you want to give? That's what I'm thinking. Um, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess we could try Epi. Can I talk to pharmacy? Yep. Uh, we got it drawn up. We gave it. Any other meds? Okay, great. Um, I don't think so. All right, Nikki's at bedside. They take the kid upstairs. That ends your case. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. Before we go through how you did, Mike, I'd like to thank our sponsor for the month, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. <laughs> Pearson Rabbits is my personal disability and life insurance agent. You might not know this yet, but as a resident, you should be shopping for and purchasing your personal disability insurance policy. This will be your policy that you carry for with you for the rest of your career. And it's going to cover you in case you get sick or injured and can't do your job anymore. You want an independent insurance agent like Pearson Rabbits to shop around between the major companies and get you a good deal. And here's the thing. The sooner you buy disability insurance, the less it costs. That cheap policy that you get while you're young and healthy and a resident, that premium that you get at that time, including any resident discounts, locks in. So, uh, And it doesn't change. It's one of those situations where the more you procrastinate, literally, the more you will pay monthly, and then you'll pay that premium monthly forever. So, And, and that's just the way it works with disability insurance. So I personally bought disability insurance as a resident. I recommend you start looking into it, too. Be smart. Get yourself protected. Don't wait until it's too late. Go to www.pearsonravits.com and set up a meeting to shop and compare some policies. Thank you to Pearson Rabbits for sponsoring this episode. Now let's wrap up our case. <laughs> oh, Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> You're evil, man. That was evil. That was mean. And the funny thing is, when I was calling you on the phone, you had the, you had a feeling. You're like, I have a feel. I just have a feeling. how do you think you did oh man i dropped the ball so many different places 
I think like big picture, I think I did a lot of the things I needed to do. I think I was late in recognizing that I needed to do a lot of those things. Um, the fact that it started off with CPR in progress threw me for a huge loop because um, I didn't even examine the patient nor get a set of vitals because of um, how flustered I got just there. Um, and then when I realized that um, she was pregnant, um, that kind of delayed my resuscitative hysterotomy. And then um, <laughs> resuscitating a newborn, I unfortunately or fortunately do not have much hands-on experience for, but I know it's something that I need to get better at and be good at by the time I graduate because I'm not there yet. Yeah. So we were, that was, that was a, that was a case. <laughs> you want to know what inspired? Well, so two things inspired it actually. So one, I mean, you, you were telling me about resuscitative hist- hysterotomy and I was like, that's what a, what an interesting, what an interesting procedure. So that was how I got the initial idea. But then I started playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, which you've played yourself, Mike. And you know, so yeah. I, you know how early on in the game you have like, you're like, you pick up like a, the lid of like a pot and like a tree branch and you're running around and trying to like kill things. And then you run yeah. in to the first guardian and it has like a death ray and it just blows you up so <laughs> yep i saw that i was like we need to just have a death ray case just a thousand miles an hour let's just you know make it rain <laughs> <laughs> and that's all it was i've been oh, playing zelda a lot i was like i want to just you know do the whatever the equivalent is of a guardian you know <laughs> as nerdy as that sounds i wanted to you know just just one of the one of those things. Destroy me into yeah, a million destroy. pieces. And no, no, no. And I, you honestly, you did pretty good. I wasn't. It wasn't meant to be like a tricky case, obviously, because you won't make it anywhere to the end. It was meant to just be like a hundred miles an hour. Right when you think you've got something figured out, I got another, you know, another twist for you. And um, that that was just the way I designed it. Just uh, you know, for a couple of reasons. So one. Um, it's a good, I mean, it's a good clinical case, right? NRP, uh, perimortem CSAC, all of this are emergency medicine core material. Um, but I, I think it's a good one to have kind of at the end of, you know, it's a second year resident too, because you start to get, you know, everyone gets second year residents are like the most confident people in the hospital. And sometimes it's good just to have a good kind of everything's on fire type case, just to kind of, you know, simmer things down and, you know, help you realize you still got a whole nother year residency type of a thing. Um, but this is actually a very difficult case. Like, I don't want you to feel like, uh, you know, I was all over this and this is all like super obvious. Like I had, you know, freaking dosages out in front of me. I had vital, I, you know, I had it all written out by the minute with like, so it, cause I had to re- refer to it. Cause this is, this is actually very, I've learned a lot from writing this case too. Um, and you know, there's so many places that we can start uh, to talk about this. Um, let's go through the critical actions first. Um, you did, uh, all but one of them and the, one of them was kind of a little, a little tricksy. Um, and we'll get to that one in a second. So, uh, the second critical action was identified pregnancy by either your exam or ultrasound or your history, which you did. Um, the one, the third critical action was, doing the perimortem C-section procedure and describing that, which you did well. And then uh, the fourth critical action was running the neonatal resuscitation. The critical action I put in there that I didn't hear you articulate, and forgive me if you did say this, um, but anytime you're resuscitating a mom with a gravid uterus, uh, you're supposed to put them in the left lateral recumbent to kind of, or displace the uterus. Um, that's a big part of the resuscitation, and you never articulated that. You're right. Um, I, you know, 
this is a this is a crazy case. This is not meant to be. I don't think that there's gonna be a case like this on test day. This is just supposed to be like pure learning. Just this is just supposed to be fun, you know. <laughs> as, as twisted as it is, like this is just supposed to be just like all sorts of craziness. Um, but you definitely want to get mom in the left lateral recumbent, and I could see that potentially being a critical action if there was a case like this on your test. Um, but that's an important thing to do. So those were the critical actions, and then from there. There are so many spots. Honestly, you did, you actually did really well. Um, you made it through the whole thing about better than I would have done. <laughs> I mean, even as an attending, like if you had done this same case to me prior to me preparing this and reading the chapter, and we had done like some OB Sims and stuff at work too, so I was kind of freshening up on it and being like, man, this is this can go all sorts of south, can it? <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but like I think I would have been right there along with you. I think, I think you did well. Um, even though you didn't technically get all the critical actions, I think you did as well as I would have done just cause it's, I mean, this is just a crazy case. So let's see here. So the resuscitative hysterotomy, um, I know that you know a little bit about that cause you've done some lecturing on that topic. Uh, I was trying to, I don't know, I wanted you to do it and then I wanted you to, to not be able to finish, you know, <laughs> just have to do the baby then <laughs> that was the whole idea i was like oh how funny would it be he's got the whole you know he does the whole hysterotomy and then he has to move on to the nrp and, <laughs> and then to listen to his heart sink at that point because i knew it would and he's totally it'll be a good yep. flashback <laughs> being yeah. like all right attending says i got mom you take the baby <laughs> i was so ready to do that. that was really fun um so like you know it's, there's so many things we can do our deep dive on here this mid-month too but resuscitative hysterotomy in that procedure um, and how about this? It's like you're all over it. So what are the indications? Um, kind of what's the mindset behind the procedure? Yeah. So um, two big indications. So a uh, woman pregnant in cardiac arrest. So they're, they have to be greater than 20 weeks gestational age. And the way you can tell that just by looking, if the, the maximum fundal height is at the umbilicus, that's about 20 weeks. And every centimeter above the umbilicus that fundal height is, is about another week. So if they're at least 20 weeks pregnant and ACLS has been in progress for at least four minutes, so basically two rounds of epi, um, then you go ahead. And the reason why we do it isn't just to save baby. I, I know a lot of people think, oh, you're like getting baby out while you can. And then, you know, whatever happens with mom happens. But actually it has... Uh, profound physiologic changes that benefit mom and outcomes for mom are much better after a resuscitative hysterotomy. Um, just think about it. You know, you have a gravid uterus, um, you know, it's sitting on the IVC. You have a great reduction in preload because of that. So as soon as you remove the baby, um, your preload goes up, your diaphragm can't, you know, go down as far. So your pulmonary physiology is better. And then your oxygen delivery also, you know, the mom's giving, delivering some of that oxygen to baby. So as soon as you take that out, um, you have that much more kind of leeway on the physiologic cliff of cardiac arrest and, you know, hypoxia and acidosis to go. Um, and that just gives you much more breathing room. Yeah, exactly. It's, you do this procedure primarily to save mom. Um, and you, you get the baby out too, and then you run your NRP alongside of it. That's the part they never tell you. They always run the procedure, but they're like, you're going to be, if you're at a standalone department, you're going to be running an NRP and doing the resuscitative hysterotomy simultaneously, unless you have an OB or something there helping you, uh, which is kind of terrifying to think about. And I've never had to do this procedure. So this is all from my perspective, academic, um, 
as far as the resuscitative hysteronomy, but it saves, it's such a physiologic de-stressing of the mom to get the baby out that if they're in cardiac arrest, frequently you can save them by doing the procedure. But you, it's one of these things where you have to be like really aggressive and do it quick. Um, and, uh, there are good outcomes reported up pretty far, um, you know, 10, 20 minutes after arrest, although the indication was, you said four minutes, something like that, like four around four minutes. I mean, yeah. you, you, just the idea is it's someone who hasn't been, you know, wasn't found down type of a thing. They arrested in front of you. There's still a chance at good neurologic outcome if you can restore perfusion and get the baby out. And so um, it's just like real quick, you know, you look at pr this procedure online at videos and stuff. I mean, they even go so far as to say it's like, it doesn't matter if you nick bowel, like cause everyone's so, you know, you, you don't have to be really timid. Like obviously you don't want to like slice all the bowels, but I mean, it's a really just aggressive, like you just get the baby out and period, <laughs> like, and don't cut the baby, you know, type of a thing. Um, but you described the procedure perfect. I think the, the, the one thing that was really eye opening for me when I was, you know, researching this was um, the recommendation. So it said T minus four minutes after arrest, you should start the procedure. And T minus five minutes after arrest, baby should be delivered. So this procedure can be done in 60 seconds. It's not a hard procedure. The hardest part is making the decision to go ahead and do it. Yep, yep. Um, it's, it's a classic procedure in emergency medicine. And I definitely, I mean, this, this happens. Like I know several of attendings who have had to do this. I just haven't had myself cause I'm a younger attending, but I'm sure the day will come. So that was the resuscitative hysterotomy. You did a good job on that. So then the fun part of the case is when I made you take care of the baby, which I knew would, would take a little, take a little spirit out of your <laughs> step. <laughs> um, but honestly, you, you did it right. You had the, the general idea. Um, it's all, you know, what's the most important thing in a, in an NRP and just kids who are arresting. You said it a few times. What their, their oxygen. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's yeah. an if oxygenation thing. Most, yeah. Most causes of cardiac arrest, which, you know, for these neonates, we consider any heart rate less than 60. Um, I believe um, it's usually respiratory driven. So um, I think positive pressure is usually the first thing they recommend, but I don't know. I would love to be enlightened right now because I am, this is a topic that I am very weak at, have not had any experience with clinically. Yeah. So um, you, you were actually pretty much spot on. It kind of happens in three phases, you know, artificially a minute per phase, but the first minute is getting, you know, the cord cut over to the warmer, you know, the warmer should hopefully be on by this point, kind of like drying, stimulating, um, suctioning, all of that. That's like the first minute is trying to kind of get the kid to perk up basically would be one way of saying it. When it becomes in, in doing like an APGAR or whatever and kind of seeing, you know, oh, you know, this kid looks bad. That takes about a minute to accomplish all of that. So then you get into your second minute, and if the kid doesn't look good, it's all respirations. And so you're spot on. You're doing positive pressure um, ventilation. I mean, if the kid's breathing great and it's just a little cyanotic, like maybe you could just do some oxygen. Um, but, you know, positive pressure ventilation here is you're just you're going right to, to breathing at this point. From there, you kind of get into the third minute, and the kid will either turn the corner with the positive pressure ventilation or not. So if not... Uh, you know, it's kind of one of two things. Are they still just not looking good and needing breathing support in a, you know, positive pressure ventilation, in which case you should intubate them. 
Or is it like they're really, really bad shape. Their heart rate is less than 60, which is the cutoff in kids, which is essentially the same as being like pulseless in an adult in like a, in like a, in, um, neonate. And in which case you're doing the one and two and three type, um, chest compressions, which you've learned in NRP. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? That wasn't just, that's how they talk. Yeah. 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 One, two and three and breathe and one, two and three and breathe. Um, that's how they teach it in NRP. So you're doing that for a heart rate less than 60 and, um, you kind of go down those two pathways then. So you're doing intubation and chest compressions and it kind of, you just keep doing the next thing. So epinephrine would be indicated, uh, for a heart rate less than 60, assuming that with some chest compressions and some more positive pressure ventilation, it's still less than 60. Then you can do epinephrine. It's probably one of the only, um, kind of like, NRP type drugs that are given. You hear a little bit about bicarb or naloxone, but really it's epi. And then, um, as far as like other things, so like the, you checked your sugar, which was good. My understanding, and I, I only have one reference for this so far. It was kind of my core reference for this, but is that anything over like 40 or 50 is okay. Like you're not expecting it yeah. to be a hundred. Um, so like this yeah, kid was 60. So it sh- my idea behind saying it was 60 was that it was okay. You were kind of got hung up on giving glucose at that point. Um, was kind of my mind was, oh, that was fine, but you're giving some glucose anyways. And then um, vitamin K is one. Um, neonates need vitamin K, all of them, within an hour. It helps with like uh, hemorrhagic bleeding type issues into the brain and, and such. Again, you can see how I'm not by no means am I saying I'm the expert at this. I got multiple books open in front of me. I've just been studying it for a couple of weeks and kind of freshening up. Um, and then you get them admitted to the NICU. And I mean, that case, that case was a hundred miles an hour, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you did, you know, there's, there's so many things you can talk about. Like you did the pre, you have the pre and post ductal oxygen, which is fine. Um, Remembered, you you don't necessarily have to have it be a hundred percent, right? It's going to start off around Correct. sixty and kind of work like its way 60, up over the first yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, um, yeah. You did a good job getting the bras low. Yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it was just it was meant to be a hundred miles an hour. There's nothing really like uh, you know cute or fancy about it. It was just it was just kind of to see how fast you can move and stuff. Um, I I just want to say how evil you are for making me describe the umbilical vein catheter. <laughs> uh, it's one of those procedures that we've all like done in sim, but I don't know. Like I've never done one in real life. I've never even like, I, I know very to... few attendings that have, but I mean, it was, it was like the next page in my little book. And I was like, what a fun procedure to ask him about. <laughs> so evil. So and evil. I have like little pictures. It, was, it seems, it it seems to be pretty straightforward. <laughs> I mean, it, again, it was just meant to be kind of like a, like a um, crazy hundred mile an hour, just blast your face off type case. That was, I, I, I was hoping that early on in the case, when it was like when you were seeing how easy everything was going, that it was just making it build up even more. Yep, you intubated him. Yep, you're doing epi. Nope, still pe. You know, <laughs> yeah, husband's yep. here. He'll tell you anything you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as you started like giving away things without any fight, I was just like. All right, what's next? What's next? Like this, this can't be it. This is too, too straightforward. I didn't see it coming at all, though. Like, even when she was pregnant, like you totally blindsided me by making me resuscitate the kid. Like, yeah, I- it was it was just a fun case. It was a fun case. 
Well, and I don't think so on the, in the real test, it's either a single patient encounter or like a triple is my understanding, unless they've changed something recently. But um, so this isn't really like what a real case would be like. This was this was really just meant to be fun. Like we've always been like, oh, what would it be fun to do? Like a, a like one of our cases be like a school bus crash full of like kids with like hemophilia, you know, <laughs> like just like just crazy, just craziness, you know, just for, you know, to get better, get good. So, but yeah, this is, um, this is all core material. Like NRP is core material. Resuscitative hysterotomy is a procedure you need to know. It's kind of part of the, it's, it's part of procedures we're at least trained in, you know, to at least consider. So, but I, I thought you did great. I mean, it was it was just fun. It was just fun. There's that was fun. It wasn't meant I to agree. be anything anything like oh, this is real test day. It was just supposed to be, just supposed to be like Zelda, like Zelda. I killed my <laughs> first guardian last night, so I was pretty excited. And then I was like, man, oh, that's exciting. That's yeah, so exciting. I, see, I don't like go online to look up stuff. You know, I'm just like playing, and then all of a sudden something just kills me, and I'm like, I'm a 32 year old doctor. Like I've rolled every video game I've ever played, and some robot just like lasered me to death. I have a, I literally have like a stick <laughs> like what just happened <laughs> like but now I've, I've gotten better you know i've gotten better so anyways that was that was what inspired this case with zelda thanks to zelda um any other thoughts i don't i don't know man know your peds know your peds um peds is the scariest stuff seriously i it really that's is. what i hear you know working with attendings and now like as a rising third year I usually ask, you know, oh, what's the one thing you wish you like really nailed down in residency or got more, more exposure to? And everyone universally says peds, um, especially, you know, at where I'm training, we we have uh, two children's hospitals in the city and my hospital is not affiliated with either one of them. So we get next to zero peds volume in our adult ER um, and all our peds training is, you know, block by block at other sites. So it's kind of you get in the peds mindset and then you don't, and that's not how real life community medicine works. Like I don't know what what would you say your peds volume is in the community, Zach, percent wise? Um, I've run a, a handful of and like resuscitated a handful of kids. It's I mean part of it is kids. So do we see a lot of kids? Yes, um, fevers and stuff like that. So yeah, we see a bunch of that. But as far as like pals and nrp and like resuscitations it's pretty uncommon it's a handful you know the most recent one i had was yeah i suppose i can't really talk about the the case specifically but you know like they, they are there um they're just not that common um and they're scary but what would you say you know out of all the patients you see what percentage are pediatric cases would you say in the community for you as an attending um, well, and I work at different types of hospitals, like one hospital, like most of the kids, since they're not as sick are going to fast track. And if you have a nurse practitioner or PA running fast track, you're not really seeing those too, too often a lot of the times. So let's just say one of my kind of like catch all hospitals where I'm the only doctor mm -hmm. on. Um, and then as far as defining peds, so like, like under 18 peds is under 18, uh, a couple of shift. Okay. Okay, so probably like yeah. ten to fifteen percent, um, with a lot of like fifteen-year-olds, you know, like and whatever. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> those aren't as scary as the as the blue baby. <laughs> like those are different things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I mean you see it. You have to be good at Pete. So there you go, man. I don't, yeah, there's so much we can do for our deep dive this month. I'll let you kind of to run with that. I don't know. We could do. 
There's so much. So much. It was a fun case. Um, everyone, send us emails. Uh, you can get me at Zach at emclerkship.com, Mike at emclerkship.com. Uh, we like to hear from you. We get quite a few emails, but we try to respond to the majority of them. And it's, um, yeah, we like hearing from you. So send us an email. Please tell a friend about the podcast. Um, we'll kind of be with you in a couple weeks here with the deep dive. And until then, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.